Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, including your stories. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. And now a story from Kemmons Wilson Jr. Kemmons is a second-generation leader of their third-generation family investment company that's out of Memphis, Tennessee, with the first generation being his dad, the founder of Holiday Inn. And by the way, we broadcast an hour south of Memphis in Oxford, Mississippi, a beautiful small town that's home to great writers like Faulkner and Grisham, and also the home to Ole Miss. Kemmons has previously shared with us the Holiday Inn story, which you can find at OurAmericanStories.com, and today he brings us some lighter stories about his father and the unusual interactions that he's had with some pretty famous folks. Here's Kemmons. I don't know if y'all remember back when they had the trampoline craze. Well, he decided that he wanted to put a trampoline that was on ground level. Our company here was manufacturing a round trampoline. It was about maybe four foot in diameter and had springs and you would just bounce on it. And the idea was you would jog in place. So he put one in out on Lamar Avenue. And at the time, our family company wrote the insurance for Holiday Inns. Back in the early days when you could do that, it wasn't a conflict of interest. So our head insurance guy said, hey, 
Kimmons, man, you can't do this. There's all kind of liability here. He said, oh, get out of here. Just, just, they're they're, they're just having some fun. And so I think within a week, some kid had bounced something down and went through the plate glass window. You know, so they started tearing it all up and, you know, but he would try anything. And, and so my dad called one day, he said, hey, Muhammad Ali is in town. He's staying at the big Rivermont Hotel down on, on Riverside Drive. And I'm gonna go by and see him. Would you like to come? I said, absolutely. You know, I was a huge fan. And so uh, he comes by, he picks me up, and he's got this trampoline in the car. And so I said, what are you, what's that for? He said, well, I want to see if he'll endorse it. And I said, oh, man, okay. So we get up there, and he's got a huge suite, and he's got an entourage that you've never seen. And finally, we get Muhammad Ali out of his room, and we meet him, and my dad's got a camera. He said, uh, he said, Mr. Holly, get on that trampoline and start, uh, start jogging a little bit. And so he did and took his picture. And he said, I I'd like for you to endorse this thing for us. He said, well, Mr. Wilson, you're gonna have to talk to my lawyer. I got a Jewish lawyer. And if you can get past them, we're good to go. And also we're gonna need that picture you just took. <laughs> So at any rate, it, it, it went nowhere. But it, it, there was no uh, no shame <laughs> in, in whatever he did. Uh, he was really bold in doing that. My dad loved Tabasco, and he loved it so much, he would get these little bottles and carry them in his pocket. Uh, so if the restaurant didn't have it, he had his own supply. And this was in Holland's heyday, he called Mr. McElhenney and asked him one day, he said, look, I love your product and I'd like to buy your company. I think that much of it. And Mr. McElhenney said, Mr. Wilson, you don't have enough money to buy this company. And I don't know if you've ever looked on the back of a Tabasco, it's, it's salt, pepper, and vinegar. I mean, it's, you know, it's the secret sauce and, uh, so no telling how profitable they are and have been. And they became great friends. And every year he would send him a personalized bottle of Tabasco that they were so big it would take about a year to finish it off. I tell people, I think he put Tabasco on everything but ice cream. Later in his life, once he retired from Holiday Inns, he came to work for our family business and he got into nacho business. He was making nacho chips. So he, he was good friends with Sam Walton. My dad starts making nachos. Well, he wants to sell them to Sam Walton. So, and I'm sure Mr. Walton was rolling his eyes like, listen, I don't have time to. So he puts him with one of his buyers, you know. And so we had the opportunity because of dad's relationship to have lunch with Sam Walton on a couple different occasions. Uh, at the Ramada Inn, uh, it was a buffet. Uh, he had a red truck with a bird dog in the back. So what, what, all these stories that you read about, they're true. Two people cut out of the same mold. You know, I, uh, I, I think, you know, my dad having grown up in the Depression and, and not really having anything, you know, I think that made an impression on him. And throughout his life, he was very, very frugal when he didn't have to be. But it was a mindset. I mean, uh, he wouldn't pay two cents if he thought it was worth one cent, you know. And money was just a number. He never really aspired to, you know, have second homes and, boats and, but he grew up in that era, you know, where you didn't know where your next meal was coming from. So money was just a, a number. And I'm telling you on multiple occasions, he, he risked it all. And I think if, if money had been that important to him, he, 
he probably wouldn't have done that. And you're listening to Kemmons Wilson Jr. with some fun and some fascinating stories about his dad who founded Holiday Inn. So many more good stories to come. Kemmons Wilson Jr. sharing fun stories about his father here on Our American Stories. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. And we continue with Our American Stories and with Kemmons Wilson Jr. sharing some fun stories about his dad and Holiday Inn founder, Kemmons Wilson. Let's return to Kemmons on his dad's relationship and friendship with a fellow Memphian named Sam Phillips. Well, Sam Phillips had a recording studio called Sun Studios. And Sam Phillips actually discovered Elvis and Johnny Cash. And Sam was a, he was an artist. And he and my dad were good friends. And he looked at my dad as a sort of a financial guy. And so they got in business with uh, radio stations. Sam was the operator and my dad, you know, put up some money. So as Sam's career in his studio went, he, he called my dad one night and he said, uh, Kimmons, uh, I've got to talk to you. Uh, I've got maybe the opportunity of a lifetime. And you know, it was late at night. My dad said, well, look, uh, it's late. Why don't you just meet me at my office at six o'clock in the morning? That's what time he got this off. So Sam said, no, Kimmons, I, uh, you know, this is too big a deal. I got to come over. And he said, okay, so Sam Phillips comes over. My father put on his bathrobe and the background story on this is my dad and my mother were very uh, big band oriented back in those days. Tommy Dorsey, uh, big bands, they, they liked that music. So Sam Phillips tells my dad that he has an opportunity to sell Elvis Presley's contract to, uh, I think it was RCA, for $35,000. And my dad, of course, knew who Elvis was, but you know he certainly didn't follow him. If you're a big band guy, you don't follow rock and roll. So when Sam said, I've got this really great offer, what do you think? Well, he told Sam Phillips, he said, well, I don't even think Elvis is professional. And I, I kid people today, it's, it's, it's tantamount to somebody asking me about a rapper. And I would say, no, no, I, they're not, you know, I don't like them. So Sam Phillips actually took my dad's advice and my dad said, sell his contract. And to be fair, this was the highest, highest paid contract in the history of the industry at the time. And Sam Phillips, uh, his business was not doing that great, so he needed the capital. And so anyway, so he sells Elvis's contract. And I, I always tell people, I said, make sure you know who you're asking advice from, because he just asked the wrong guy. The right guy may have said, hey, you may want to hold on to this thing for a little bit longer and see what happens. And my dad said, boom, cut it off. And he, Sam was really a, uh, he was so keen on discovering talent. I mean, you know, he could listen to a demo record and go, bingo, that's gonna be a hit. So he, he may have gone a little bit out of his comfort zone, 
you know, because he may have thought that, hey, if I follow my intuition, I, I would have held him. But again, <clears throat> you know, if you need the money, you need the money. And it was the highest offer ever paid at the time. So, you know, you can't say somebody's stealing him then. <laughs> you can say it now. <laughs> so that happens, and uh, we all know Elvis went on to be a huge, iconic star of the universe. And Sam Phillips and my dad stayed best friends until they died. And Sam Phillips had every right to never speak to my father again. <laughs> like, get out of my life. You've ruined my life. And we had a, a, a roast years later. We roasted my dad and Sam Phillips was one of the roasters. And he, he said, Kimmins, uh, you know, we've been great friends. I love you. And uh, he said, but I just want to tell you one thing. He said, <clears throat> not if I kept 10% of Elvis's contract, not if I kept 5% of Elvis's contract. He said, if I kept 1% of Elvis's contract, I'd be worth $50 million today. And of course, he got a big laugh from everybody. But again, that just goes to show you what kind of friendship they had. And neither one of them looked back. Sam Phillips took that money and he went on to sign Johnny Cash and Carl Perkins. And he went on to be very successful. And you know, if that had never happened, I mean, the, you know, the story about it says, well, how dumb can you be? Well, you know, it worked out for him. And who knows if Elvis would have ever hit, hit the mark again. And, and to be honest with you, I think my dad, even if he thought Elvis was going to be or could be a huge success, at that point in time, I think he gave him the right decision about you need to sell and redeploy this money back into your business and, and you'll be able to sign a couple of guys onto your record label and, you know, go from there. But it's a pretty good story when you tell somebody that Elvis is not professional. And another funny thing, he, he never had, as long as he lived, an unlisted telephone number. And so I can't tell you how many times we would get a call at two o'clock in the morning. And my father would answer the phone and it would be some guy that's had too much to drink in, in Peoria at the Holiday Inn. <clears throat> And he's complaining that they're, they're closing the bar at two o'clock. And he, he, I never saw him got upset. You know, he would just say, yes, okay, you know, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll call the manager and we'll get back with you. And it, this was back in the days where the general manager, they used to call them innkeepers, they had to live on the property. And so at 2.15 in the morning, he would call <laughs> the general manager and just say, what in the heck is going on there? And you've got some guy in a bar, go take care of it. And I remember one phone call he had, again, uh, it had to be some intoxicated guest that was complaining about something. And my father said, well, who, who do you work for? Now let's say I, I work for IBM. He said, oh, really? And what's your name again? Well, he gave him his name. He said, well, great. I, I know uh, Mr. Watson, who's chairman of, of IBM. He'd probably like to know about that. <laughs> and, you know, phone hung up. And, but I mean, but, but to just think that he never had an uh, unlisted number. You could look in the phone book and call him. And we got all kind of crazy calls. Yeah, when I look back, really, a lot of the milestones in his life were that, you know, he did have the largest hotel chain in the world at one time. He, he, he was on the cover of Time magazine. He was uh, awarded the Horatio Alger Award, which is kind of the rags to riches. Uh, he was one of the thousand makers of the 20th century, as noted by the London Times. And he was in the National Business Hall of Fame and really, you know, he, he got to meet 
presidents and popes and kings and queens and a bunch of celebrities. So I tell people he had a absolute wonderful life. I mean, you look back and trace it and, you know, you couldn't have, you know, you couldn't have scripted it any better. And great job by Faith on the production of that piece, and a special thanks to Alex for bringing Kemmins Wilson Jr. to us. There have been any number of stories he's told about his father, about his family, and about his faith. The story of Kemmins Wilson Jr. and his father. And my goodness, it doesn't get better in terms of father-son stories and the influence of a dad on his son in shaping his outlook, his worldview, and so much more. Kemmins Wilson Jr.'s story here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast 
NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we continue with Our American Stories. Red light camera tickets came into being during the early 2000s. The public was outraged and irritated because the cameras eliminated the human element. And there are a bunch more reasons why all of us as taxpayers were annoyed and irritated by the red light camera ticket. You Eastwood and Beavis Shock decided to do something about it. There are civil rights lawyers in St. Louis, and they filed three separate cases, all three of which were heard by the Missouri Supreme Court in one big morning argument. Here's Beavis Shock and you Eastwood to tell their story. I got into civil rights law 25 years ago, early in my practice. I, I ended up working on a civil rights case on a referral. I felt great about it. I won my first civil rights trial, and I decided that I would vastly focus on that in my practice, which I have done. So the red light camera tickets cranked up, and when they first started, it was just a little small program in the alderman I don't think when they passed it, they had any idea what it would turn into. But in St. Louis, they were issuing these tickets left and right. And I thought that this idea of giving people tickets for running through a red light by a tenth of a second, which a cop would have just ignored, shortening the yellows, which they were doing to increase the revenue, early morning, people coming home from coffee or going to coffee, no right on red, there's nobody within two miles, right? It, the, in, the, the intersection's completely uh, unattended, so the person goes ahead and goes right on red, even though it's a no right on red, and here comes a red light camera ticket. No officer would bother with anybody, or if the officer did bother, might pull the person over and say, hey, you know you're not supposed to do that, I'm not gonna give you a ticket, there's nobody around. It, it, it took the human judgment part out of it, which I didn't like. And, and, and then, um, what happened was a radio personality named Charlie Brennan got one of these tickets and he called me during a break in the show and briefly explained and I said, I will do it on the condition that we do the entire representation on the air. And he said, okay, I stayed pulled over. We did the first interview right there and every single interview I did with Charlie started with the same uh, question. Charlie, you have a right to a confidential relationship with your attorney. Would you like to waive that today because there are hundreds of thousands of people listening? This is the number one station in St. Louis, the Mighty Mox, KMOX, the blowtorch of the Midwest. And, and he said, yes, I would be this. I'd like to give up uh, my right to confidentiality. And then we discussed right there, like he was, he was a brand new client, um, and I agreed to represent him in the case because I didn't like the way it smelled. At the end of the day, it was my nose that told me this is wrong and it's bad. And then we ended up with three or four clients and we ended up with um, three cases at the Supreme Court of Missouri and we won them all after about four years. I'd say that it struck me as fundamentally unfair. And that was a sentiment I noticed a lot of people having. When we would go on the radio with our client, 
who was a radio host, the switchboard would light up when this topic came up. And I think it just struck a chord that this was wrong, it was unfair, and it offended a lot of our fundamental notions of how the relationship between the community and the police should be, and also how our court system should work. And remember, most people only interact with the court system in municipal court on a traffic ticket. I mean, most people aren't getting arrested for serious crimes, which is a good thing. Most people aren't being hauled into court and being sued on some complicated theory, which again is a good thing. So most people don't have much litigation in their life, and if they have a negative interaction with the government, it's gonna be for something pretty minor. They're gonna get a ticket and have to go to municipal court. So it's really important for the relationship between the government and the community for that process to be seen as fair, and also for it to be seen as pursuing justice rather than for-profit motive. And so there's a phrase, which is not mine, which is taxation by citation. And that was what was going on here. And we knew that this was a revenue grab because one of the arguments the cities had in these cases is that we need this money. And that's what struck me as unfair. This wasn't about a legitimate exercise of the police power to promote traffic safety. In fact, if they was about traffic safety, they would care about who the driver was, after all. Here, they didn't care. We're just going to go after the owner. One of the things in the red light camera cases was that people who were not driving were getting tickets for running a red light. It was that it was the owner would get the ticket, the owner of the car, because it was done by license plate, and then who owned that car. That violates some basic principles of how our criminal law works. Many of the criminal rights, but not all of them, are in the Fifth and Sixth Amendments. Your right to remain silent, right to be uh, informed of the nature and cause of the accusation against you, the right to be confronted with the witnesses against you. These are all in those amendments. But interestingly, the right to be presumed innocent is not in those amendments, but it's deeply ingrained in our case law and our system of jurisprudence from the common law of England. We felt that one of the effects of these cases was to help make those rights further enshrined in the law. We had cases from different cities in our region. Two of the cases we were in a defensive posture, right, defending uh, someone who owned a car from a red light ticket or from a, uh, in Charlie Brennan's case, a, a speeding ticket detected with a camera. The other case, we were offensive. We were seeking to get an injunction to shut down the city of St. Louis camera program. And everyone showed up, including the private camera company. They had their own lawyers. Very good lawyers, lawyers that I respect, very talented, skillful, well-paid lawyers. The debt collectors who were, who were trying to chase people down for these uh, tickets, they had their own lawyers. Everyone was there. There were, there were a lot of lawyers in the courtroom. But yes, th this was not about money for us. This was not a class action. This was really shutting down a system. And we were, we were able to do that. I, I will say in candor that uh, we were a little nervous because after this wonderful, unprecedented experience of, of having three Missouri Supreme Court opinions issue on one day, all in your favor, we thought, I mean, that's about as good as it gets. We had some nerves because we read a kind of narrow path for these cities to come back and have another bite at the apple with these red light camera programs. And so we kind of thought it might be like whack-a-mole. But so far in the St. Louis region, uh, that has not been the case. Let me add that, that I think we knew when we were going through those several years that if we won, it would help our business. Help our business more than all the advertising in the world. In fact, being on the Charlie Brennan show, this radio show uh, that has a huge following, you really can't pay for advertising like that. No, you can't 
pay for publicity like that or advertising like that. When we come back, more of this not merely amusing piece, because it's making us all smile listening to it, but it gets you a bit angry too. And this is where our great legal system comes into play. And great lawyers like you, Eastwood, and Beavis Shock, their stories continue. The red light traffic caper here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we continue with Our American Stories and the story of the two men who ended red light traffic cameras in their state and took it to the state's highest court, their argument about why these red light traffic tickets were against the law and an abuse of power. Let's return to Beaver Shock and you Eastwood for more of their story. One good favorable article in the paper about a news story about a win does more than all the buses and all the billboards in the world because it helps not only get one's name in the public eye so people call for help, but when one walks into a judge's courtroom and the judge knows, hey, this guy got me out of my red light camera ticket, uh, that helps. And uh, it it doesn't mean the judge isn't going to follow the law and rule as he or she sees fit, but it does mean that our papers will be read with care. So we, we got something out of it. And to this day, people walk up to me on the street and say, aren't you Beavis Shock? Didn't you do that red light camera thing? Yes. Thank you so much. That's such a good thing you did for this community. That's a big deal. And the problem with the whole system, of course, is that usually the fines were around 100 bucks, sometimes a little more. And the problem is it's just not worth it for most people to fight, to take time off from their jobs or their lives over $100. That can be a lot of money to some people, but it's not enough money to mount a serious legal defense. And so there was this very clever thing that the red light camera companies, which were for-profit companies, were doing which was pitching these very cynical strategies to municipalities as a way to raise money. And we knew these companies were corrupt because one of the companies called Redflex had executives go to prison. They also had officials in Chicago and other places get investigated by the federal DOJ and go to prison. So there was something that was really offensive about this. The other thing is it was really a... I guess what you could call a cross-ideological sense of outrage. Most people driving around living their lives thought that this was unfair and that was wrong. And we know from policing that when policing works, it's because the police have trust with the community. And that usually involves old-fashioned things like going out and being a regular beat cop in the community, could be running traffic, I suspect people don't like getting speeding tickets or or traffic tickets, but at the same time, if this person is actually in the community and is someone who is building trust with the community, that's policing that works. And so there really wasn't any evidence that red light cameras were having much of a traffic safety function. Or the only evidence was city officials saying, you know what, yep, in our view, they promote traffic safety which we just thought was cynical. In one of these cases, we actually went on to have a civil trial against the city. And when the jury saw the revenue that the city was making, the spike in revenue in association with, in fact, issuing warrants, they found in favor of our client and and gave her $100,000. So I guess the final thing, it was an opportunity to go all the way to the Missouri Supreme Court. And at the time, as a newer lawyer, this was a great case to work on. And I also knew that if I really just fouled this whole thing up and really did a terrible job for my client, which was not my goal, that at least the worst case, my client would only be out $100. (laughs) So that was about the limit of my malpractice exposure as a young lawyer. Uh, I would add that it was perverse that people who were trying to be good citizens suffered more than scofflaws. And the reason for that was that if people didn't pay, all they got were a few letters saying pay. Nothing happened to them. There was no warrant for their arrest. There was no 
uh, nothing on the driver's license, nothing happened. So the, the, this, most citizens really believe in the rule of law. We all understand once that disappears, a lot of our liberties will disappear. And good citizens therefore paid the $100, and the bad citizens didn't, and nothing happened to them. So bad conduct was rewarded, and the working class person with good intentions, who understands the importance of the rule of law, is dramatically affected, and the scofflaw schmuck neighbor gets the ticket and doesn't care. And that contributes to a decay in our community's ability to live together in a civil manner. And that was a part of it that really bothered me. I would also say, and we got into this in our case involving the city of St. Peter's, uh, this excerpt of, of St. Louis, the cynicism, I think, of the city's arguments in favor for these programs was, was detected by the jury and, and the city's arguments were rejected. So for example, the city said, well, this is how we pay for seniors to have transportation. This idea being that if somehow you shut down this red light camera program, you're gonna leave you know, impoverished grandmothers on the side of the road, unable to travel. That was just baloney. Guess what? Those programs existed before red light cameras and they exist today. I suppose there's political support for them and it provides a service to members of the community and that's, and, and that's a legitimate government function. But the point is, is don't act like we're attacking grandmothers. The cynicisms of the, uh, of the arguments in favor of these programs, I think is what helped doom them. There was, really was not political support for these. It was taxation by citation, which is an improper use of the police power. We should not be writing tickets to people or, or issuing fines to generate revenue. And so what that judgment does is force not just St. Louis County, but cities and counties throughout the state of Missouri, and perhaps nationally, because it's applying the First Amendment, First Amendment doesn't uh, change when you cross the state line. What it does is force them to go through their books, examine their laws, and rewrite that. And, and I know that Bebus knows firsthand from a conversation he had uh, with a lawyer who practices uh, for, on the government side. That's exactly what they're doing, and that's a good thing. I mean, the idea that you'd ever mix for-profit business and criminal law enforcement or traffic enforcement is nuts, right? Because the incentives are all perverse. An interesting question is what will happen in other states? Does this radio broadcast affect any decisions by lawyers to do this, attack these systems? One of the things that might happen is people might listen to this and some lawyer, and, and it, it needs to be a lawyer with some experience in appellate work, who's argued at the Supreme Court of the state before, who's ready to go. It's got to be somebody, and the big law firms will never do it, right? Because they are part of the establishment. They love that money coming into the government because they've got government contracts to write up the law on bond deals for, for uh, municipal buildings and things. So it takes a certain level of craziness to want to do something like this. Uh, when we think about America, John Maynard Keynes said we're all dead in the long run. Well, my kids aren't going to be dead, and their kids aren't going to be dead, and their kids' kids aren't going to be dead. They're going to be alive. And what a raw deal would we give to our descendants if we let America go, if we let the, the delicate balances of the Constitution and the principles of the Declaration be set aside because they're not convenient right now or because people fail to recognize how well they work and what they mean. And I understand that the war never ends, but to be able to work on a case like the red light camera cases is an opportunity to live in to those beliefs that we have a duty to our descendants who we don't know yet and both my own gene pool, my own kids and their kids, but everybody else's kids too. George Washington didn't have any kids. That didn't matter to him. It doesn't matter 
whether you do or not, we're part of a, of a larger community here. And great job on that piece by Greg Hengler. And a special thanks to you, Eastwood, and to Beavis Shock. What a great story. Those two guys are both civil rights lawyers in St. Louis. And look, they're right. I mean, in the end, the country is formed because of those general warrants and writs of assistance that allowed British troops to just come in and search away in American homes. It was literally the founding reason and the impetus for the Declaration and for everything else that happened in the Constitution. And this was, as the lawyer said, taxation by citation. Government is here to serve us. We're not here to serve the government. Great work by both you, Eastwood, and Beavis Shuck for all the lawyer jokes that you've heard. This is a nation of laws, and when you need one, you want a good lawyer to defend your civil rights. A great story about the rule of law, and so much more here on Our American Story. University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.